PixelSiv is proudly supported by the Murdoch University School of Arts, who have been with us since the very beginning. And it's where we all learned how to make podcasts, radio, and video. If you're interested in a creative degree in games, sound, film, journalism, or maybe you'd like to mix and match, you can head to murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts to learn more about what they've got on offer. That's murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts, or you can search Murdoch University for more information. Murdoch University School of Arts proudly supporting PixelSift. Hello and welcome to Pixel Surf. This is the fortnightly show about indie games from around Australia and the world. Uh, my name is Mitch, and on the show tonight are my co-hosts Sarah and Johnny. How are you guys? I'm pretty good. So our guest tonight is Brigitte Renner from Mojikan Studios in Indonesia. Uh, thank you for joining us, Renner. Yes. Hey. Hello. <laughs> and Renner is one of the developers behind She and the Lightbearer, and uh, we'll be talking to her later on in the show about that game. But before we get to that, what are we taking a look at, Sarah? So tonight we'll be taking a look at multiplayer games and the servers that connect the many people that play them, because sadly, dedicated servers are not always an option for everyone. Great. Let's get started. Hey there, if you're enjoying the show and you want to hear more, subscribe to Pixel Sift on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, or listen on pixelsift.com.au. See you there. So, Fortnite players in the Middle East are sick and tired of the lack of dedicated servers uh, by Epic Games, Juggernaut Battle Royale game in their region. So much so that there's currently a social media protest led by a popular YouTuber called Allah DVLZ Station Ibrahim gaining serious traction at the moment. So, I think, like, being in Australia, we've all suffered under the, like, high levels of ping and just inability to play some games. And it's gotten better over the years, but... We still suffer from it here occasionally, even when I play Overwatch. And uh, it's just one of the things that we've had to compromise on as players that aren't really in the EU or America. Looking into this, I did a bit of digging onto the forums just to try and see exactly what players meant by high ping. Because to some people, they can say, oh, my ping's 50. This is ridiculous. And I'm just like, I've played on 90 to 100 ping before don't complain like that's that's playable for a pc gamer but some of these people were dealing with ping of upwards 250 and above in the middle eastern region and for a game like fortnite if you've ever played any kind of a shooter either an fps or a third person shooter ping of 250 and above is literally unplayable and i mean that very seriously like the hit registration flies out the window so players have been complaining that you know um people that have good ping get a complete edge above them and they're absolutely right it just means that like you're immediately put on like you're you're down the ladder immediately just because of your ping which is really frustrating probably should have addressed this earlier in uh, before you before you made that statement sarah but what what exactly is ping so i am not an expert on this but basically um ping and server connection is how fast it takes for your computer to uh contact the main server of a dedicated server so for example if i'm playing fortnite and i shoot my gun at another player and um the higher the ping the longer it takes for the server to have that information sent from my computer to the server to say i've shot my gun and it's hit this player so the higher your ping the the more out of touch uh, they kind of are. That's not an expert explanation. Um, I'm not the best at it. But basically, when, when it comes to online games, 
um, servers, a dedicated server can really help players because a dedicated server um, can better, like, basically stabilize the, the server for all players. So, for example, if two players are just trying to directly connect to each other and it's not a dedicated server connection, it's peer-to-peer. Um, with the example of uh, with For Honor, um, uh, for example, which is a public uh, game by Ubisoft, uh, originally it was peer-to-peer connection, and players were having a lot of issues, for example, where uh, in the middle of a game, one player's made a host. So the player with the best connections made a host. If that host suddenly disconnects, the entire game is disrupted. So, for example, if that were to happen in Fortnite and one person was made host, like the game would just die. But... um. Basically, with the current Fortnite server situation, um, when players in the Middle East are trying to connect to like uh, players in Europe on the European servers, their connection is taking a hell of a lot longer to travel and to. to so, if I if I someone in Middle East shoots their gun in Fortnite, the amount of time that it's going to take for them, like their computer, to send that information to Europe is is absurdly long. So it means there's this big disconnection between, you know, when players actually shoot guns, which which results in stuff like um, direct lag, uh, rubber banding is a common thing where you're running along in Fortnite and suddenly you, you jump, jump backwards and, you know, you've moved back like 10 metres when you thought you'd ran 10 metres. So that's kind I, of uh, – I'm not an expert, but that's like the best I could explain it, I guess. I think one of the big things to talk about this is that there's always an, uh, an assumption, I guess, and this we see this in Australia, but, and, and Renner, I'm really interested in what the perspective is like for you as well, um, yeah. is that it seems that if you aren't in the US or the EU that – you just have to kind of you're not you're forgotten about and you're not thinking they don't think about what your in individual perspective might be and it's not just from the perspective of you know Fortnite but I remember one of the examples we have is quite often there'll be a, a day one patch um, where yeah. a, a game will come out it'll be a 50 gig download and that is very difficult for even uh, people in Australia and and a lot of people around the world it just makes it very difficult yeah um, that's true. Now, do you have any examples like that uh, playing games in Indonesia that, where this situation it seems like they've kind of forgotten that not everyone has the world's best internet connection or, or something like that? Um, in Indonesia, it's like playing multiplayer game, you have to, what is it? You, uh, it's expected to have the lag in it because we didn't have the best internet connection in here. And uh, if you want to be pro player you have to invest more in internet connection more like that and as for the day one pets uh, my own uh, my own what is it how to say it <laughs> uh, uh, I was uh, downloading um, I think it's Dragonet's Inquisition uh, they have I don't know 30 gigabyte if I remember, and I have to wait for around one week in my house to download it. Wow. <laughs> so that's kind of, yeah, you can uh, you can see the situation in here, something like that. See, that and with a game like that, I imagine there's a lot of spoilers <laughs> as well, so you have to stay off the internet uh, not looking I'm... at any Dragon Age. Yeah. <laughs> So it's not even Something on a multiplayer note. level. Oh, sorry. Yes, it's Oops. not even on a multiplayer level because that kind of download time is not unheard of here in Australia as well. Okay. Uh, as, uh, as in Indonesia, uh, in Indonesia, uh, my home internet connection is kind of the low tier one, so I have to be very patient with it. And uh, ironically, 
today uh, uh, my office internet connection got down because the the cable is cutted by some project <laughs> and uh, so I have to move to the prayer room when where we have another internet connection. Wow. Yeah, so you can imagine how to prepare something like this in here. We've got a, there's a comment here from Warren over on Facebook. And yeah. Warren says, maybe we should just learn, adapt and overcome. So in Battlefield 4, as an example, because I choose the tank because going as an assault class, I'd get killed all the time. So I changed the way that I play the game in order to compensate for, for bad connections. And Moody Xander actually also says that in... Um, I have over 300 ping on Smite. It's playable without lag, but I notice there's always a split-second delay on my attacks. Not as much as a stuttering lag, but the attack delay is one of the issues with having a very high ping or a bad connection speed. Mm. So, One thing I've, does, just been, uh, I've just been told is that, um, reminded, ping is measured in milliseconds, um, and Fortnite does not run at all on peer-to-peer. -peer. Fortnite fully runs on servers. So to have a whole region of people in multiple countries having to connect to another region decently far away from them, for example, as far as I'm aware, everyone in the Middle Eastern region has to connect to the European servers. To me, that just seems absolutely absurd because when you're dealing with 450 milliseconds of, of ping difference to people that are playing on 100 and less, that's a huge discrepancy in, in your player base. And I'm not sure if like if anyone else has kind of directly experienced that. Like I've and a lot of my friends we've played on American servers due to necessity. And at that point, like there's not much that you can do to, to adapt when none of your hits are registering, when none of what you're doing is actually connecting and you're just at a full disadvantage constantly. So it's very frustrating. But I'm looking into the Fortnite situation. Um, Epic Games has responded, and they did say that they are currently working with their providers. But the biggest issue is that apparently none of their current multiple cloud providers uh, have the infrastructure for Fortnite servers completely globally. Is this an issue that you've had um, in Indonesia, Rena? Like, do you yeah. find that there's just not enough infrastructure locally as well in your own country to have online games running strongly? Um, we have some. But uh, uh, I'm not sure myself is there any, uh, what is it, infrastructure about it. Mm, yeah. Uh, but the, we can pay more for the good internet connection if that answers it. Yeah, no, definitely paying more for better internet can help. Yeah, but I think yeah. a lot of the, the biggest problem lies in how many servers there are closer to you and how good that server infrastructure is as well. Because, like, I, there could be a server two doors down from me, but if – the routing of the server is bad, I could still have terrible ping. So that also kind of plays oh. into it, unfortunately. So if you I just... Was... Oh, sorry, Ria? Oh, that's sorry, okay. Uh, no, no, no. I think uh, about the sofa down or something like that, it's either we didn't know about it because we have internet connection bad or uh, we didn't have any problem with it, actually. That one way to put it. Then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I think like at, at the end of the day, it, it just seems like the infrastructure just needs to be put in place. It's, it's all about it's a balance between the, the capabilities of the company. I think Epic is absolutely capable of providing servers in the Middle East. I think that they're rolling in money at the moment. And it's all about kind of the balance between infrastructure and the company's 
kind of ability to provide that and the resources of that particular game developer or publisher or or just whoever's providing the games as a service. Um, Okay, so I think we'll just move on to our next topic now, and uh, it's the interview with Reno. We'll be right back. Okay. You're listening to Pixelsift, or you might be watching Pixelsift on Twitch. Pixelsift. Now, Rena is joining us from Indonesia. She is from Mojikin Studios, and she is one of the developers behind She and the Lightbearer. Hi, Rena. Thank you, thank you for joining us. Uh, you're welcome. And uh, so for those of us who don't really know much about your game, can you give us, like, uh, what, what, what would you tell people who are brand new to the idea of your game? Uh, so She and the Lightbearer is more like a point-and-click game with fairy tale vibe in it. And uh, in this game, we play as the little firefly who uh, explore the forest to um, search for the being called Mother. And what were some of the inspirations behind it? I I noticed that uh, it's got a very strong uh, artistic style. How did you design that that game? Um, As for the story, uh, I start with the... Hinduism folklore, it's more, uh, if you can search it, it's Pritvi Mata and Diospita. Or it's easily translated as Ibu Pertiwi or Mother Earth. Uh, we have this saying in Indonesia that called Ibu Pertiwi for our country, but uh, we personally didn't really know how this law how to, to say it, how the storyline of this law of Ibu TV, something like that. And uh, as for the uh, visual exploration I do, it's more like uh, I take heavily inspiration from uh, the movie, if you know Song of the Sea and uh, some Disney movie, something like that. And uh, some of the pattern and uh, I love to draw plants in it and some of the pattern is like from Indonesian plants, mm-hmm. Indonesian flora and uh, other pet, uh, fabric pattern, something like that. So I, I try to combine all this so that not just us from Indonesia who knows what kind of pattern it is so that uh, People interna- uh, internationally, people in this group can, uh, what is it, get the same value of uh, artistically in it, something like that. The, the characters themselves, do they incorporate any sort of Indonesian designs as well? Is it part of that that you've worked into the characters? Um, as for the characters, some are from Indonesian as well. It's more like uh, we have this. Raflesia Arnoldi uh, that grow in Indonesia and uh, there are this uh, That's the one that kind of looks like the Pokemon Vile <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, that's right yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, the, uh, the other one is there are this uh, three character three character that are uh, what is it uh, it is 
wise and something like that. Uh, he's from Weeping Tree. We say in Indonesia pohon beringin, and uh, as in Indonesia pohon beringin is more like uh, the the how to say it mystical the mystical the the wise figure of it something like that. So it's not all like uh, oh uh, I try to put little Indonesian in this uh, brand new fairy tale something like that. Fantastic. When did you originally start working on She and the Lightbringer? Or Light, Lightbearer, sorry. Bearer. <laughs> um, I, I, think, I think it's three years ago, 2015, I guess. So it's more like three, four years ago. And the game comes out very soon, comes out next week. Yes. Feel after something you've worked on for so many years to have it at this point where you can release it. Uh, terrified, of course, and uh, it's more like finally. It's like all this time I can say much about it to anyone because of this is a story-driven a game that you can spoil anything about it, and then. Uh, to release it to the world is more like uh, all this time I was mute and now I can talk to them, something like that. Now, what? Uh, who is this game for? Who would you like to, to play your game? Uh, maybe uh, the more, I think for people who love nature first and uh, for people who love fairy tale, of course, because uh, I must say, always look for more fairy tale vibe in this game or movie or something like that. And uh, this game can be uh, played by children as well, because uh, we got some moral story in it that can be uh, implemented in their daily life. Have you put a lot of moral kind of, you know, stories or moral lessons into the game like in traditional fairy tales or is it just kind of like one big moral lesson or are there multiple? Uh, uh, I, if you put it that way, uh, I uh, somehow I make each character has its strong and uh, weakness and we can take a moral lesson from each of the, of the character. So it's like we have this one storyline of um, moral lesson from it and but if you look closely we can learn from each character we met on the forest that's fantastic uh Renna, as an illustrator yes as an as an illustrator when did you decide that you wanted to make games instead of just illustrating uh at first i was uh working on illustrator uh, I think it's way back. <laughs> uh, let me try to tell it. Uh, it's way back when I was still a college student. Uh, me and some of my friends making Modigan Studio. So I was learning in a visual communication design. And while I was uh, in a college, I tried to uh, make some illustrate illustration illustration uh, project and something like that. Then we choose to make 
mojikan and then that was when we try to make a game. Excellent. So, and I understand your your company Mojikan that was started as an illustration company as well, and then turned yeah. to game development. What was it like as a company to move to game development, not just on a personal level? Uh, I don't know, but our company is more like uh, at first we want to we already want to make a game at first, but we still didn't know how to start. So we start from what we can do most. It is to illustrating, and so we're starting as illustration as well. But then uh, after that, we have uh, we have this turning point when we try to learn to make game for ourselves. So uh, the artist, the all artist of Mojigan Studio, is like, okay, now we uh, learn about programming, something like that. And uh, what was it? What was it like? Like trying to find the confidence to release a game of your own creation. Uh, it's uh, it's not. I'm not confident or something like that. It's more like uh, because we are an artist at first. It's like we need to share our work work in people. So somehow it's more like. We need to do that rather than how to find confidence in that. Awesome. And um, so moving on to that, I just wanted, I'm curious about the games industry in Indonesia. Like um, from your experience, how, how has that been for you? Uh, actually, we have uh, some, uh, what is it, uh, friendly community, of course. And uh, it's easy to talk to uh the senior in this industry as well so it's like it's easy to ask one another how do we try to uh what is it how do we try to upgrading ourselves but uh as you can see indonesia is like a more country of so many islands so we only have, we can, what is it? How to say it? Uh, we only can talk in in social media. So it, it, it's hard to make, uh, what is it? It's hard to make, to meet face to face in one event, something like that. So when we have event in this Java Island, we, uh, the other friend in other island is more like uh, we are separated uh, and to to buy the t- uh, plane ticket to the Java Island is not so affordable for us. Yeah, cool. Like- we just have a couple of questions from the Twitch chat, if that's all right. Okay. Marcus Playstuff would like to know, does Mojikan have any other projects going on at the moment behind the scenes? Uh, we have... Uh, let me ask first. Summit? Gak apa-apa, Diana. Kenapa? But other project. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we have uh, this one project called A Space for the Unbound. It's more like we try to uh, put everyday life of 
high school student in Indonesia. So it's slice of life things game. And then uh, we already released our game called Ultra Space Battle Crawl. And uh, my previous game, it's more like my personal game that already been released in uh, by the name of Mojiken is Raven Monologue. I think that's that's all. Fantastic. Well, I'm no, I'm looking forward to seeing whatever you guys produce next because she and the light bearer looks beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So you can find out more about she and the light bearer by just uh, searching it up in Google. Um, it's on on Steam and it's scheduled to be released on the 17th of January. And you can find out more about Mojikin's work on Facebook. Uh, you guys have. Twitter and uh, Rena, you're also on, on on your personal Twitter as well, don't you? You have one of those. As yes, well. of course. I ha- uh, I'm uh, my Twitter is Crystal Nyam. You can just search about it, and uh, I'm also have Instagram, so we can talk more about art in there. And I'm will be happy to talk with you guys. Excellent. Yeah, both of those are really worth checking out. They're like the the visual style of the game is really illustrated in like your Instagram and your Twitter. Um, and thank you very much for joining us, uh, Rena. That was really awesome. Okay, thank you yeah. so much for having me. No worries. Uh, so, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Pixel Sift. And, uh, and thank you very much for spending time with us, uh, Rena. Um, and uh, thank you for telling us about She and the Lightbearer. Uh, this episode was hosted by myself, Johnny, and Sarah. And it was produced by Scott Quigg and Fiona Bartholomeus. And our executive producer is Johnny DiGiovanni. And uh, thank you very much for Murdoch University School of Arts for supporting Pixel Civ through all 112 episodes. And if you'd like to learn more about the great creative degree, you can search murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts. And uh, as always, we'll be sticking all the links to Renna's work and her Twitter and her Instagram, and as, as well as Mojiken's social media and she and the light be- she and the light bearer um, in the bottom of this uh, on the bottom of this episode at www.pixelsiv.com.au and the absolute best thing you can do is head to pixelsiv.com.au forward slash discord if you want to keep up with everything we're doing because uh, we post everything there first and you can chat to us about games and articles and other things that you've been doing um so that's pixelsiv.com.au forward slash discord and uh yeah, you yes. can always you can also con mitch into playing some fortnite with you if you're really lucky yeah occasionally that'll happen maybe <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> so sarah if people want to go to listen to other episodes where should they go so you can go to our website to stream episodes you can subscribe as a podcast either on apple podcasts spotify or pocket casts or whatever podcast player like because we're on all of them now and also while you're on apple podcasts if you could give us a review and a star rating that would really help other people find our show or even better load up an episode of pixel sift on your friend's phone if you think they'd love it yeah just go on their phone and just put the subscribe button just do it just just take it just subscribe to us for them they'll (laughs) love it trust me so we're live every thursday and our next episode is on the 20 4th of January, but next week at this time you can join us for Pixel Civ Plays as we'll play some indie games that we featured on the podcast and more. Thank you very much for joining us, Rena, and thank you very, very much yes. for joining me, Sarah. Thank you. Alright, we'll catch you later. Bye.